0: My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful my Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today, the Church celebrates the exaltation of the Holy Cross, an ancient feast, that is an invitation for us now to meditate to reflect to ask for light on how the holy cross has come into our life yesterday as i was reading the breviary and doing the the office of readings is the first section pretty much of the, of the readings of the day. There's always a scriptural reading, often from the Old Testament, and then a reading from the fathers of the church or a saint. And um, I was surprised to see that yesterday's reading, which was not the Feast of the Holy Cross yet, was a passage from Ezekiel. Chapter 8, where Ezekiel describes in a a kind of a detailed account of the theophany that he received in the temple of uh, Jerusalem. A tremendous vision that he describes in great detail. And in that vision, he sees uh, all kinds of terrible, shameful abominations that the city of Jerusalem was going to go through, including the massacre of the inhabitants of the city, all on account of their sins. Eventually, there's a ray of hope and a promise of restoration, but the visions that he has of what's happening to the city are just awful. There was at one point even an idol A pagan idol placed at the entrance of the temple. Probably a Canaanite goddess of some kind. And the very people of Israel were worshipping this goddess. And uh, just seeing that would have shaken any devout Israelite. There were animals of all kinds roaming about and terrible idols. So Yahweh in this vision decides to deal in wrath with all of this. And uh, after that, there's a description of how the inhabitants of Jerusalem just absolutely massacred by the Babylonians who invaded the city. It's just an awful scene. I mean, it's, it's a merciless destruction. But in one line there, it says, Yahweh says, touch no one with the mark on their foreheads. The English translation says, those who have a mark. Others have a translation that says, those who are marked with an X on their forehead. So I looked at, like, what does it say? You know, it's in Latin. You know. Latin is, sinium. Uh, not sinium crucis, but sinium tau. Tau is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And, it, well, it looks like a, a T or a kind of a cross. And those people, they will be saved from the punishment. It's as though they had the mark of Cain on his on their brow. And they will not be punished from the... the or they, they were be protected from the punishment they deserve. Just like the Jews had placed blood on their doorposts, they would be saved. And all in Jerusalem who bear this mark of the cross, the mark of the Tau, will escape death. They won't escape punishment necessarily, but they will ex- escape death. Because... Those who have that mark are grieving over what had happened. There was like those who might be like the most uh, devout Israelites. It is said that perhaps these people are like exiles or Ezekiel's companions, but they're marked. They're marked with that that cross. It's like a, a kind of a beginning, a foreshadowing of the power, the saving power of the cross. So upon reading this, St. Jerome he finds a beautiful interpretation that he transmits from uh, Origen, one of the great fathers of the Church. He says, when the people of Israel were asked what Tau means, some answered that because it, the last of the 22 letters of the alphabet it shows a perfection of those who remained to wail, lament." for the sins of the people. Others saw there a sign of those who fulfill the law, which is Torah in Hebrew. And finally others said that it referred to those who believe in Christ because the Tau takes the form of a cross, the sign by which all Christians are marked at their baptism. So when you're baptized you're indeed the priest makes a sign of a cross on your forehead. Same thing when you are anointed, the sign of the cross on your forehead and on your hands too. So we know the sign of the cross has been a, a great veneration among Christians for centuries. It is used at baptism. It, it is used in the, at the, around the time of the consecration or at the beginning of Mass priest makes a sign of the cross over the offerings. We know that our father after, after the second baton council when the new mass was uh, introduced he saw that one of the things that they removed a lot was the signs of the cross. There used to be many many signs of the cross to the old right and he, he would do that with a lot of love. You know, there, now they've been simplified they're still there but they're just just a little bit simple and he found it difficult not to do the sign of the cross during the mass he did it he obeyed because it was the new rite he accepted that but he found it difficult because he had like filled himself with such devotion every time he made the sign of the cross indeed when we began our prayer the this morning we said per crucis, by the sign of the cross the enemicis nostis, nos domine, free us from our enemies. Probably a reference right there to the to the book of Ezekiel, right there to the prophet. We know Constantine saw the cross in a vision at the Melvian, Melvian Bridge. He saw there in Oc Signo Vincis. And then he had that cross that sign which was he didn't really know what it was exactly uh, he was a pagan he didn't know what is this sign it's a cross well what is it you know, he he was told in reach, by this sign you will conquer and he placed that sign on the standard bearers of his army and they, they defeated his enemy that scene of the William Bridge is depicted by Raphael with a cross surrounded by Angels on a standard. It is said that Christ himself will be carrying the cross when he comes in the second coming. But this time the sign will be to the joy of those who have lived out their baptismal promises and to the confusion of uh, the enemies of the cross of Christ. But he will come bearing that standard, the cross. Well, after reading this passage from Ezekiel, and a similar passage is also present in the book of Revelation, St. Francis made the, the tower, the cross, the emblem of his order. And it is from him that we have that lovely phrase, we adore thee, O Christ, and we praise thee, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. That's what we say during Holy Week, and that that phrase there comes from St. Francis, which I didn't know. And uh, it is said also that the, in the ancient world, soldiers were, who were acquitted received the letter T, and those who were sentenced to die received the TH. TH was alluding to Thanatos, or the Greek god of death. In Latin, in the Roman canon of gods, it was Mors, who has no father, but is the son of Nix, the son of, of, of night. So some had the sign of death, the others had the sign of life, that was the cross, which is the sign of life. So today we celebrate the sign of life, the sign of the cross, which was an instrument of our Lord's death, but became the sign of life. And was made so sacred by his loving arms as he offered himself for our salvation. And how often our eyes come across this cross. See the cross. Embrace the cross. We have the black cross there that is now been covered with, with flowers. For us to see the fruitfulness of the cross. We know how Jerusalem was destroyed by the Roman armies in the year 70. It was completely leveled by the Emperor Hadrian, the entire city. And so, to eradicate the influence of Christianity, Hadrian leveled the top of Mount Calvary, and there he erected a pagan temple to Venus, the goddess Venus. But... He also cut away and leveled the hillside where Jesus' tomb stood and there he built uh, another temple to the pagan, alt- to the pagan god, uh, Jupiter. And of course, uh, it was ironic that that act of Hadrian to destroy Christianity or destroy any, any remembrance of it was actually what preserved those sacred sites. And we know that in the 4th century, the mother of Constantine, St. Helena, we know this from Eusebius, one of the ancient historians, she went to Palestine in search of those sacred sites, and in search of relics, and indeed she found many relics. She built the Church of the Nativity, she built on the site of the Ascension, all thanks to St. Helena but also when she was there she came to Jerusalem and decided to de- destroy the temple of venus with the help of the local bishop there saint macarius but there as they were kind of removing this temple they found three crosses and uh, well we know our lord was crucified next to two thieves so they didn't know which was which which one was the cross of jesus and there's the story of how they applied the woods the each each cross to a dying woman who was terminally ill, and then when they touched her with the true cross, well, she was immediately healed, and that's how they were able to identify the true cross, and became uh, the source of great veneration. and was protected. We have in, in Rome the Santa Croce in Jerusalem, the famous basilica of the, of the Holy Cross, where there are uh, different uh, relics there of the Holy Cross, which people like to go and visit and and uh, venerate and adore because it's it 's one thing you can adore that that is an object it's it 's the true cross that 's one of the reasons why we call it the the exaltation but also the other reason is because it recalls how the cross was actually captured by in a battle by the Emperor Heraclius and uh, the, the lesson in today's brief tells how the Emperor who was clad in, in royal robes tried to carry the cross personally and as he tried to carry it in all his, uh, you know, his uh, royal gear he felt this, that this cross was suddenly heavier and heavier and he couldn't, he couldn't no longer walk. And that's when the bishop said, look, you have to get dressed up as a poor man for you to be able to do this. And he divested himself of all the ceremonial robes and took on the guise of a poor man and the humility of Christ and braced the cross. with was complete detachment, and there he was able to carry it. He was dressed in sort of penitent garb. He removed his sandals. And uh, that scene is represented quite beautifully in a mural in Bilatevre uh, it's called Galeria de Candelas de la Campana and it's a beautiful like large ha- hallway and there along the hallway you can see all the horses and the riders and the, the procession and all the standards and there right in the middle you see emperor Heraclius completely lo- well looking you know, poor and penitent in a linen alb. So, the cross is such a central part of our life. We've seen it everywhere. It's got such a tremendous history. We make the sign of the cross every, every day, several times a day. And is the cross that is a symbol of Christianity. Many governments have sought to take down the cross. ...because they know that it represents the values of Christianity. In the Quebec government, the parliament, they decide to take it down... ...because, well, they know it represents the values of Christianity. And they use arguments, well, separation of church and state... And, uh, uh, ...but really, what they don't want is those values. And we want to embrace those values, the truth of those values, the truth of the cross... As St. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greek, Christ, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of god is wiser than the human wisdom and the weakness of god is stronger than human strength it's a beautiful phrase And the weakness of god is stronger than human human strength and the lord showed weakness there on the cross because he embraced it he sanctified that wood just by the way he died by the very blood that ran down that cross you know, somebody once asked you know why do we every time we see paintings of the cross Or just even little image or you know little metal representations we always see a little skull and bones at the bottom of the cross and uh, well I when I heard that I thought well maybe I guess that's because it's Calvary and Calvary means a skull the hill of the skull which I guess makes sense Mm -hmm. but really the one of the longest or the oldest legends that Adam was buried on Mount Calvary. I don't know how he got there, but that was that was the story that he was buried there, you know. And so when the Lord died, the blood came down and dripped down and dripped onto his skull and his bones, the skull and bones of Adam. And uh, that was a way to redeem the dead Adam now, as that blood dripped on him. And indeed, if you go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. There is actually a chapel of Adam there, underneath the chapel of Golgotha, because Adam now had been redeemed by the blood of Christ that that flowed down from the cross. I remember some years ago, I was in one of the centers there in Montreal, and. Well, uh, a middle-aged man came, uh, rang the doorbell, and I opened it. And he says, is this, uh, is this Riverview Center? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and I, he said to me, do you, do you have a, a black cross in your oratory, in your chapel? I said, yeah, actually, we do. Can I see it? Do you mind if I see it? So, yeah, sure. So I, I showed him the chapel. And then he came to that cross, and he went up to it and he kissed the cross. Very reverently, and he told me that when when he was younger, he used to come to the center for meditations, and uh, he noticed how when people were leaving, that they would come and kiss the cross, and he found that very touching to see. But he didn't didn't quite understand why they were doing that exactly. he saw many people just they just kiss the cross, and so. Uh, he, he asked at that time why why they were kissing him they, they said well it 's the the empty cross, and it 's somebody explained that to him it 's the empty cross and and uh, we kiss the cross out of veneration for love for the cross, and that we try it 's empty because we try to put ourselves there on the cross when we struggle and we we live penance and this really kind of had an impact on his heart on his soul, and he said that when he came upon bigger responsibilities in life, bigger hardships that he faced in life, he would think of that cross. And he would kiss a cross that he could find. He didn't have one with him, always, but he would try to find a place to kiss the cross, especially when he was going through a hard time so that he could sanctify that hard time or the great responsibilities. And that's why, of course... You know, we have the seal of the work. It's the cross inside the world, not on top of the world. It's inside, right in the middle of the globe. So that we can feel the cross, especially when we experience hardships, difficulties, or heavier responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Romano Gordini, great uh, early 20th century priest and writer who who Cardinal Ratzinger liked very much, he said, the signs of the cross really are visible in public, yes, to the Lord. He said, when we cross ourselves, let it be with a real sign of the cross. Instead of a small, cramped gesture, you know, you see people just going like this, you know, they're, they just go, or like the football players, they go like that, you know, they're not, it's a small, cramped gesture, you know? Says instead of being a small, cramped gesture that gives no notion of its meaning, let us make a large, unhurried sign—the name of the Father, and the Son, like that—from forehead to breast, from shoulder to shoulder, consciously feeling how it includes the whole of us: our thoughts, our attitudes, our body and soul, every part of us at once how it consecrates and sanctifies us. Think of these things when you make it, the sign of the cross. It is the holiest of all signs. Let it take in our whole being, body, soul, mind, will, thoughts, feelings, your doing and not doing, and by signing it, the cross strengthens and consecrates the whole In the strength of Christ in the name of the triune God it's it's quite beautiful that we are able to integrate the sign of the cross with the Blessed Trinity because we say in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit right that cross is mysteriously triune so let's ask for this uh, Love for the cross If only just by the way we make the sign of the cross If only just by the way we look at the cross Especially when we have to When we realize the Lord is asking us For a mortification At that moment There there are always reasons For us To find excuses Why we don't want to mortify ourselves Why we don't want to offer This You know, this discomfort uh, this mortification, something painful, something at meals, you know, go down and, and you know, do something that we don't feel like doing, addressing some work in the local council. We don't feel like reading this. We just don't feel like doing it. But just do it out of love. Maybe it'll help us if we see a cross. Maybe it'll help us if we remember that we are accompanying our Lord in a mysterious way. We're accompanying him not obviously as as dramatically as he did, but in some small way. We are doing it in such a way that he is not lonely, that he's not alone on the cross there. We are gonna accompany him. We are that way, you know, accompanying him and and, and sharing in the patience of God. There was that story of this young adolescent from Aleppo in Syria his name was Remy and uh, he was a young adolescent far from God, quite superficial never went to Mass and one day during the month of May his friends asked him to come to Mass during the month of May because it was a special month in honor of Our Lady it was a tradition amongst them that they would go to Mass during the month of May but he said, no, leave me alone. I don't want to go to Mass during the month of May. Forget it. So they tried to entice him. They tried to get him to come. And so they said to him, well, if you come to Mass, you'll see lots of good-looking girls there. Hmm? So maybe you should come. Well, with that kind of argument, he agreed. Right? He was convinced. So he sat at the back. And sure enough, there were lots of people, lots of girls. And he watched from the back. Every day of the month he came. And he liked it. He liked seeing, oh, that, she's in that, oh she's in that, oh that, uh, but then came June 1st. And he kind of lost track that it was now June 1st. And then that day, it was all old ladies. You know? <laughs> there was no young ladies it was all and uh, he, he was told uh, that the month of May had ended and upon seeing that suddenly he received this tremendous grace from God it was very profound because seeing the contrast between the prior days and now this suddenly this sadness that he felt at seeing the loneliness of Of the Lord left alone by all those young people I mean God bless the older people you know but uh, but he suddenly felt a kind of a shame for the abandonment that our Lord would have experienced from all those souls and he promised right then and there that he would be there every day he was like 14 years old eh? and he would not stop going to Mass so as to accompany our Lord always And that's what he did. He was very faithful to that. And we can accompany our Lord when we we offer a mortification, when we deny ourselves in some way. Because it shows your patience with me, Lord. How different your reaction is, Lord, from mine. You're so patient with me. Lord, help me to grow in my love for the cross, to know how to embrace it, so that it allows us also to forgive as you forgave us from the cross. Today is the feast of the exaltation. Let's allow that cross truly in some way to be exalted, lifted up, right there in our heart. So it's part of our life, part of our love, and part of our redemptive task. task that you ask each one of us especially that you asked our Blessed Mother who stood there at the foot of the cross that's why tomorrow it will be Our Lady of Sorrows let's ask her to make us strong to accompany our Lord in his loneliness I thank you my God for the good resolutions affections and inspirations you communicated to me in this meditation I ask you to put them into effect my Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, to see.